morning. It's good to see everybody here. I want to testify to you about how God has brought me into a place of abundance. And he brought me into that place, but not before he tested me, not before I went through some hard times and had to really persevere through those. Um, I got let go from a job that I really loved back in 2014. And and that hurt. That hurt my pride, and, and I had to find another source of income for my family. First job I got after that, bag and groceries. And God bless you who do that, but that was my first job 10 years ago, and it's like back to square one for me. And I, I found a better job after that, but it was still, it was like, you know, for, for me, someone like me who loves the ministry, who's called to vocational ministry, my heart was yearning to get back into preaching and teaching the word and, and having a job that would not hinder that at all. Uh, long story short, I got the dream job this year, or actually um, late last year, I got my dream job. Right after Thanksgiving, I started teaching for SUM Bible College, and it's everything I dreamed it would be. Uh, it's, it's amazing. God has truly brought me into a place of abundance. Um, it's better in every conceivable way. I want to show you, um, it's Psalm 66. It tells my story. Psalm 66, verse 8. Praise our God, all peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard. He has preserved our lives and kept our feet from slipping. For you, God, tested us. You refined us like silver. You brought us into prison and laid burdens on our backs. You let people ride over our heads. We went through fire and water, but you brought us into a place of abundance. Father, in Jesus' name and with every head bowed, in honor of Almighty God, I lift up everybody in this room. We're all in different situations of life, and some of us were not where we want to be, and we're not where we envisioned we'd be, and we feel like that, that you have laid burdens on our backs, and you've put people over us, and we're in the water, and we're in the fire, but Lord, there is a place of abundance. I pray everyone perseveres and blesses your name through whatever trials they're facing. In whatever situation, I pray they will find peace and joy and contentment. And I pray it will manifest right now in this place as we sing to you and praise you that it would be with all of their hearts, with grateful hearts, with hearts full of faith and hearts full of hope. And we would praise you, God, as your name deserves. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Let's give it up for Jesus. Let's get it in.
joy. My joy. It is my joy to see, to bring you an offering. For you offer. Come sing grace. In grace. Your grace is coming. Save me inside.
sing, we are coming alive. We are dancing, we are shouting, we set our hearts on fire. We are dancing, we are singing, we are coming alive. We are.
time I sing this song, I think about what the author was thinking about. How, what a bold statement that your love never fails. And though the winds and the oceans rage, God, that I can count on you. So just meditate on that with all eyes closed, just to help us get rid of the distractions of who's worshiping and who's not. Come on, I want everybody with all eyes closed, just press in this morning in meditation right now. This love never fails, church. It's talking about Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. Come on, if you're going through some things, you need to speak that over your life. Come on, even if you're not, everything's good. Come on, his love never fails, let's never forget. It's the strength in the night. Come on. It's our joy. It's our grace.
economy, though things fail around us, Jesus never fails, church. Come on, right now here in his presence, would you just open up your heart before the Lord? close in this place I know God is speaking to us so let's open up this time for the Lord to use this body Come on, if you feel a word for the church this morning
Señor. We lift you high, Lord. We lift you high this morning, King of Kings, Prince of Peace, Lord of Hosts. We lift you high. We lift you high, our Savior, our Redeemer. We lift you high, our strong tower this morning. We lift you high, creator of the heavens and of the earth. We lift up the God who was not made by human hands, but has always been the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Woo, hallelujah, rabase, hallelujah. God, you are here this morning. You are present this morning. You have inhabited the praises of your people. We do not take that lightly. So Holy Spirit, we ask that you would just have full control. We surrender, dear God, everything that we're holding on to, every plan, every, every preconceived idea of what this service was supposed to look like. And Holy Spirit, I ask you to captivate the hearts of every person present here, believer and unbeliever. He he is the Prince of Peace. He is the Prince of Peace. I hear the Lord saying there's so many people walking in here bound. Bound to worry, bound to anxiety. Being labeled with depression. Being labeled. But God's saying that if you open up your heart this morning, his peace will calm your storm. If you are a person like myself who always wants to be in control, who always wants to make everything perfect, who always wants to be knowing everything, God is saying you're going to drive yourself crazy. God's saying you're going to destroy it all. But he's saying this morning to surrender. So why don't church all across this room just lift up your hands with me as a sign of surrender to God. We're going to acknowledge this morning who he is. You are God and we are not. You know beginning from the end and we do not. So we surrender this morning. Father, and I just pray for your peace to come down like a blanket upon every anxious heart in this room. That every lie of the enemy that is spinning around in someone's heart, every bit of pain, dear God, right now would be healed by your peace in Jesus' name. God is real. God is present. And he knows the depths of your heart. And he wants you to surrender it all to him this morning. And as we do, as we do that, as we acknowledge his place in our life, we can shout this song. We can say with everything, with every ounce of our being, we can shout for your glory. We can live for your glory. Come on, so take that something, whatever's laying, weighing on your heart, and just lift it up to Jesus right now. Right now, just say, Lord, you are Lord over this area of my life. And let's sing this song one more time.
we give you glory, we give you honor, we give you praise. We thank you for your presence. We thank you that you're close, that you're near. Those who are brokenhearted this morning, God is close to you. Those who are, have lost someone this week, God is close to you. He is mourning with you, and though morning comes in the night, joy comes in the morning. We praise you. We give you glory, dear God. Come on, let's give him one more shot of praise. Hallelujah. Oh, have your way in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. Why don't you greet your neighbor? Find a seat. God is so good. Welcome to Metro Praise International. Thank you so much for joining with us. Our children, you are more than welcome to join us in the back. Your Sunday school teacher is waiting for you. And at this time, I would like to take a moment to preach the gospel to you, the good news of Jesus Christ. But before I get to the good news, I want to share some bad news with you. It's truth, some truth with you. See, the reason that Jesus had to come into the world is because you and I were far from God because of something called sin. Sin is something that is against the will of God, against the standard that he has set. But the Bible said that because sin entered the world, you and I always have the inclination to sin. We have the sinful nature. When given the opportunity as a child, if a parent tells a child, don't do this, the moment you turn your back, that child's first inclination is to what? Do it. It's in our nature to disobey. It's in our nature to do the things that we are not supposed to do. And because of the sin that has stained us, each and every one of us, we do not have a place in God's kingdom, myself included. No matter how much I would justify that I was a good person and I was working hard and I was just like to a little, a little partying in my life, you know, some boyfriend, some relationships in my life, and I thought I was a good person. I didn't need God. I didn't need religion. But I needed Jesus, and I needed the forgiveness of sin. And the Bible says that because he so loved us, like we're going to read right now, he gave us a second chance. Somebody say second chance. Grace. He looked down into this world, and although he saw the sin that you and I had committed and those who have gone before us, he still loved us. The Bible says in John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen? We did not deserve his love, but he gave his love through his Son, Jesus Christ. Can you imagine giving the most valuable thing in your life for someone who does not deserve it? I couldn't. I couldn't imagine giving my only son. I couldn't imagine giving my husband up to someone who was not deserving of them. But God did it for you and I. He gave Jesus Christ as a sacrifice for our sins. That if we believe, we will be saved. He loved. He gave. We believe. We live. Amen? It's in a nutshell. Isn't that good? He does it, he does it, he does it, he did it. And he'll do it time and time again because he cares about each and every one of us. If you're not saved this morning, put your trust in him. 
Confide in him. Reach out and surrender. Say, God, I have sinned against you. You've seen the wickedness of my heart. You've seen the darkness that I've hidden from people around me, but you see it, God. And today, I ask that you would forgive me. Come into my life. Holy Spirit, teach me how to live for you all the days of my life. Today is the day. Tomorrow is not promised. We all know that, right? And we live thinking, I have all the time in the world to get right, and yet we do not. We do not hold time in our hands. We are not in control. God has given us opportunity after opportunity. Make today the day you live for Jesus. Amen. Please stand to your feet with me. We're going to pray. Father God, we thank you so much that you gave your one and only son. You gave us a second chance when we did not deserve it. You made a way. You stretched out your hand that we would reach up and take it. I pray in Jesus' name for conviction. I pray, Father, that this morning, whoever is on the fence, dear God, that it would understand you are a real God who loves, but you also judge. And, Father, if we don't get right with you in this lifetime, we will spend eternity paying for it because sin cannot be in your presence. I pray that as much as we talk about your love, we would understand your holiness. So I pray for conviction, dear God. I pray for repentance, and I pray for new life to come into this room today. In Jesus' name, have your way, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said amen and amen. God is good. Yes, go ahead and give him some praise. Let there be a testimony that would come forth this morning of someone that says, I gave my life to God. Sunday morning service. And if that's you and you want someone to pray with you, our prayer workers are right over here on the side for us. During our time of fellowship, you can go to them and they will pray with you. Amen? So let's recite this confession of faith together. This is what MPI believes. This is what we stand on. It's our biblical worldview. So we're going to recite this together on the count of three. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Father who so loved the world, the Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe the United Church of Jesus Christ, built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen and amen. Please greet your neighbor, meet somebody new. If you need prayer, our prayer workers are right up here for you. As distant hearts begin believing, redemption's bid is unrelenting. Your love goes on. Your love goes on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
excited to be at church this morning. Come on. I am feeling excited. I feel the power of God in this place. Thank you all for coming, especially if this is your first time. Keep on coming back. Keep inviting your friends and your family. We want to welcome you all to Metro Praise International. We are so excited that you joined us this morning to worship the Lord. Our services here are every Sunday at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. That is our family service. So every Sunday we have our children's services in the back for King's Kids, infant to 11 years old. And then we have Elevate every Friday at 7 p.m. And I'm going to try to slow it down so the, so the slides can catch up to me. Why don't you guys talk to your neighbor for a little bit? Let them, let them know how your week was. Look to your other neighbor and say, are you glad to be at church today? Come on. Woo. All right. So those are our two services. Let's do that again for the youth service. Elevate. Every Friday, 7 p.m. That is our Elevate Youth Service for teenagers, 11 to 18 years old. If you know anybody in that age group, this is a place for them to be on Friday night. Somebody say vision, strategy, goal. That is what we have at MPI, a vision, a strategy, and a goal. Our vision is loving God and loving people. And we want to do that with everything inside of us. And our strategy is connect, mentor, and send. We want to connect you to the church, connect you to Jesus through our life groups. Then we want to mentor you through our 101 and 201 books. And then we want to send you out to do evangelism, to preach the gospel, the good news of Jesus to the lost that are around you. And our goal is to have 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches and 500 around the world. If you guys want to be a part of that, say amen. Come on, let's learn how to get connected. Somebody say connect. We want to connect you to this church, to Jesus, through our life groups. In the back of your handout, you'll see a schedule of this quarter of life groups that we have. Find a place to belong. Find a place to connect to, to be faithful to, and your life will change. Here's a snapshot of what's happening this week. We're kicking it off Tuesday with the Resistance Elevate Life Group. Come on, Resistance. 11 to 18 years old, 6 p.m., meeting here at the church. Wednesday, Righteously Redeemed Youth Life Group. 11 to 18 years old, 6 p.m., meeting at that address. Wednesday, every week, we have King's Kids, infants to 11 years old, 6.30 here at the church, best leaders on the planet. If you have children in that age group, you want them to be here. For Royal Rangers Boys Club, Impact Girls Club, that's where your children get discipled, get to learn how to build a relationship with Jesus. Every Thursday, we have our gang outreach, 18 years and up, 7 p.m. Meet them there. Come on. How many of you guys know Chicago needs Jesus? And that is just one of the many ways we got to reach our young people. And then every Friday, we have two adult Bible studies for you guys. One is at the Goveas, the other one at the Vivids, 18 years and up, 7 p.m. Be there. We're going through the Truth Project this quarter. It's an awesome time getting deep into the Word of God, deep into theology. Bring your lost friends and family. They want to be there at those groups so they could grow, ask their questions, and get their questions answered. How many of you guys know the MPI is not afraid of questions? How many of you guys know that we love to answer them? Come on, you guys have awesome leaders opening up their homes. Bring your friends there, and you find a place to belong. Be connected and stay faithful. And then Saturday, the Ambassadors Youth Life Group, 11 to 18 years old, 3 p.m., meeting at that address. Somebody say life groups. Come on. Then we want to mentor you through 101 and 201. Our 101 book is done one-on-one, -on -one, and it's called Welcome to Your New Life. We have leaders ready to take you through that book to join with you on this journey to get closer to Jesus. And then 
our 201 class is Disciples That Make Disciples. This is where we train you to be a leader in the church. And we have a Sunday morning class with Pastor Jared and a Thursday evening class with Pastor Ellie. So we are committed to your growth, committed to see you flourish and bear fruit for the kingdom of God. And then we want to send you out. Somebody say send. And evangelism every Saturday from 5 to 8 p.m. We're on the streets preaching the gospel. That is your training ground. All of our life groups have a form of evangelism in it. If you want to grow in your boldness, if you want to be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have, maybe you're shy, maybe you don't really know that much, that's where you want to be, on the streets at 5, uh, meeting here at 5, and they go out there till 8. Yesterday there was about 16 people. Give it up for our evangelism team. Mighty warriors that are sold out. And I just want to encourage you, if you guys really want to get better at this, visit them. Maybe one, one Saturday a month is something that you can do. Sharpen your sword and meet them on the streets. Amen? So in recap, MPI, we have a vision. We have a strategy and a goal. Vision of loving God and loving people. How many of you guys want to do that with us? Come on. Strategy of connect, mentor, send. A goal of 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches here and 500 around the world. Let's get a woot woot for Jesus. Come on. Who's excited to give to the Lord this morning? It's an extension of worship. Giving your tithes and offerings is an extension of worship to our Savior. Here at MPI, we believe that a tithe is 10% of our total income given to the church regularly. We have missions offering that we give uh, variously throughout the year towards various missions projects. And we are currently in a building fund for giving um, our offering to help purchase new band equipment. So we're really excited. We're going to kind of redo this stage, make it bigger, get some new stuff. And we're just going to give our best to the Lord um, for, the, for, the for the worship team to worship and for us to just do it all for the glory of God. So we want to thank you for partnering with us. This is how you can give to MPI Ties. Offering gets divided towards missions and building. And right now we're going to get into our lesson. It's in the Disciples Giving Book. You can look that up at givingbook.org. We are on Lesson 5 today. God blesses those who tithe. Again, tithe is 10% of our total income given to God faithfully. Somebody say faithfully. God blesses those who tithe. Here is a scripture that we're going to be reading. Malachi 3.10. How many of you guys are familiar with that one? That's kind of a popular tithing verse. Malachi 3.10. Let's get reading. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Do you guys know that that is the only place in the Bible that God allows us to test him in? And it is in our finances. He says, give me the tithe. Bring the tithe into my storehouse. Test me in it and see that I will not pour open the floodgates over your life. You won't even have room to receive my blessing. Let's read the main points. Number one, God blesses those who tithe. Say blesses. God blesses or empowers to succeed those who tithe and keep his commands. Tithing is a part of that command. And from, from the smallest command that you might think in your mind to the biggest, God wants all of us, all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, and all of our trust to be in him. And one of the biggest things that we worry about in our society today is our finances. You tithing and being faithful to that, giving offering, is saying, God, I trust you, and he will bless you. Number two, God blesses 
God's blessings overflow to his people's lives. God not only promised to meet our needs, but he also promises to give us enough to help meet others' needs. And that's why we always say we want to be blessed to be a blessing. We don't want to be blessed so we can get the, the, you know, the next Corvette or you know, go on a million-dollar shopping spree. I mean, those, those are fun, okay? I would like a million-dollar shopping spree. <laughs> But that's not the point. The point is we want to be blessed so we could be a blessing to the kingdom of God. Amen? And God says he's going to meet our needs to overflow. Somebody say overflow. Here's a summary. When we give to God, he gives back to us abundant blessings that are more than we can personally contain. Let's apply this in two ways. Number one, give God your tithe faithfully. And number two, pray and ask God to bless you to be a blessing. If you want to do that, let's confess this together on the count of three over our life. One, two, three. The tithe was implied with Cain and Abel, revealed to Abraham, established in the law of Moses, and is still relevant for today. It comes with a blessing and curse. It must be qualitative, a priority, and a faithful practice in our lives. The tithe advances the kingdom of God, tests our maturity, breaks the attitude of greed through obedience, is mandated for all, and brings us into partnership with God and his church. That is so powerful. If you want to be in partnership with God and his church, stand up with me this morning. Well, I will be sitting. You will be standing. And let's prepare to give God our very best, our tithes and offerings. We are continuing in that state of worship unto the Lord again. Metro Praise believe, believes a tithe is 10% of your total income. Offering is designated towards missions and building. And I always want to remind you guys, just put the exact amount on the envelope of where you want your monies to go so we could designate it properly. Here are four ways for you to give here at MPI. Number one, in the bucket up here in the front during offering time. Number two, in the wall-mounted drop boxes in the back. Number three, in the back with a credit or debit card. You can see Pastor Griselda for that. And number four, online with Chase Quick Pay. PayPal or bill pay at mpichurch.org forward slash giving. So we make it very convenient for you. Here's what we have going on for our building fund. Thank you so much for those that have already made the pledge between you and God. And we trust that you're going to be generous and faithful between you and the Lord. But if you have not done so already, because we started this in December, we brought it before the church, and we say, come on board and let's make this happen for this year. So we want to ask you to, number one, pray. Ask God what you should give. Number two, listen to what the Holy Spirit tells you. And three, give generously. Amen? Let's do that. Let's recite this together. Philippians 4.18. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for your glorious riches that we have full access to. I pray, O oh Lord, that we would continue to be found faithful, faithful in our tithes, faithful in our offerings, God, that we would trust you in every area of our life. And I pray that you would... Uh, Throw open the floodgates, open them wide, God, and pour it out upon us so that we could be blessed to be a blessing. I pray that you would meet our needs. I got, God, I pray that you would provide abundantly. I pray for job increases and raises and promotions, Lord, so that your favor may rest on your people and that we would be Jesus in this world. I ask, oh Lord, that you would uh, bless the giver and the gift. I pray that you would meet our needs here as we continue to reach out to preach the gospel in this city and around the world and let your will be done in Jesus' name. And every Everybody said amen and amen. Please come forward as you give and thank you so much for your generosity.
Come on, how many ready to get hype in this place? Make some noise! Woo! Now, I want to let everybody know, this whole month, January, starting off the year 2016, we have been going through our vision, our strategy, our goal. The whole sermon series for January has been about what MPI Church is all about. So what I did to make this a grand finale, because you guys were so awesome last week, I was preaching intense, it was coming in hot, you guys could take it, amen? And so I wanted to make the way we end this series so exciting, so pumped up, I I had to ask my boy Julian, a.k.a. Raps, I had to ask him to help me come up with some chants that we all could do together. So give it up for Julian as he comes. Come on. We're going to get it on. Grab one of these mics. So we're going to have some fun right now. So we're going to have some fun, okay? So I, I want some crowd participation, so let's all stand up. Amen. Now, I'm a pastor. I'm not really a rapper. I get nervous. That's why I had to have my boy up here. Julian, when you want to give a shout-out to everybody before we do this? Shout-out to all of MPI. Y'all are the best church in the world. All right. Come on. Hit that beat, and let's do some of these chants. Yeah. Oh, put the beat up. Come on. Uh. Now, give us some of these chants. You all know the vision of Metro Praise, right? Come on, put it up so they can see it. Now watch, we're going to say loving God, loving people. When I say loving God, y'all say loving people, loving God. Loving people. Loving God. Loving people. When I say loving God, y'all say loving people, loving God. Loving people. Loving God. Loving people. Now y'all know we got a strategy, right? Connect, mentor, send. Now watch this one right here. Come on. Oh. Connect to the cross, mentor count the cost, sent to reach the lost, make disciples like a boss. Connect to the cross, mentor count the cost, sent to reach the lost, make disciples like a boss. Connect to the cross, mentor count the cost, sent to reach the lost, make disciples like one more time. Connect to the mentor count the cost, sent to reach the lost, make disciples like a boss. Come on. Yeah, now you know we got a goal of 100,000, 50 churches, 500 around the world, right? Y'all ready? Oh, come on. 100,000 disciples experience the rebirth. Chicago's 50 churches, 500 around the earth. 100,000 disciples experience the rebirth. Chicago's 50 churches, 500. Come on. 100,000 disciples experience the rebirth. Chicago's 50 churches, 500 around the earth. 100,000 disciples experience the rebirth. Chicago's 50 churches, 500 around the earth. MPI till the day I die. MPI till the day I die. MPI to the day I die. This is the disciples' battle crack. Whoa, MPI to the day I come on. MPI to the day I die. MPI to the day I die. This is the disciples' battle cry. Disciples that make disciples who make disciples of every nation. We are disciples that make disciples who make disciples. Come on. We are disciples that make disciples who make disciples. One more time, say it. Disciples that make disciples who make disciples of every nation. MPI, MPI to the day I die. MPI to the day I die. Come on, MPI to the day I die. Whoa, this disciples battle cry. Disciples that make disciples that make disciples of every nation. Come on, disciples that make disciples who make disciples of every nation. 
disciples that make disciples We preach it straight from the Bible We made it into a cycle on fire We never be idle We rituals buttons We raise like the 300 At war with the devil But his days already numbered Just in case you wonder In this life we gon' take his hand Yes, my Jesus You know he had that man planned What's up, so You ain't ready for that Cause it's MPI Till the day I Everybody die. say MPI Till the day I die Whoa, MPI to the day I die Yeah, yeah, MPI to the day I die This is the Disciples Battle Cry Make some noise Give your neighbor a high five and say let's do it Woo, you may be seated Woo That was awesome Let's give it up for Julian one more time Good job Yeah Oh, oh, that felt so good. I was so nervous in the back. I was so nervous. Now I can get to preaching. Amen. Open up your Bibles with me to John chapter 15. If you are a visitor and you're wondering, is it always this crazy? Yes, it is always this crazy. You never know what to expect. We're so glad that you're here. We are ending out this month with a great sermon We have spent the whole month of January focusing on what God called us to do as a church because if we put God and his kingdom first, the Bible says seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all the other things that we need are added unto us. That's Matthew 6, 33. So this month we have been focusing not just on building a building but building the church with people. The church may be an organization that has to pay bills and all of those things, but more importantly, the church is an organism of living people who love God and love to change the world. Can I hear an amen? Amen. And this church has gone through it this whole entire month, what we can do to have our part in the kingdom of God. So I want you to prepare yourself for this last sermon today. We're going to talk about our goal so that now when you hear it every week, because we've been saying our vision, strategy, and goal ever since MPI Church started, so that now when you hear the 100,000, the 50 churches here in Chicago, 500 around the world, you can give a hearty amen to that and believe God with us because you will know more about it today. Now I want you to look at John chapter 15. We're learning from Jesus in the passage starting in verse 12, John 15, 12, about how God chooses us. Everybody say chosen. Because that was the title, thank you, that we wanted for this month of talking about what our church is about. And we, we see that in the idea of being chosen, that God chose us for greatness. And every church has to receive its call. And our call for this church has been the things we were just rapping about. Loving God and loving people. Having a discipleship strategy where we connect them to the cross. Mentor count the cost. Send to reach the lost. Make disciples like a boss. Come on. You know what I'm saying? And, that, and that's, that's the heart of what we're doing because that's what God is about. God wants us to change the world. He wants 100,000 disciples that experience the rebirth with 50 churches and 500 around the earth. That's what God wants. God cares about people. And so here in John chapter 15, verse 12, you see Jesus talking to his disciples. In the previous verses, he had said, I am the true vine and you are the branches. Jesus is the what? Vine, true vine. Everybody say true vine. And what are we? Branches. And so just prior to this, in verses 1 through 11, he was telling us in John 15 that he's the vine, we're the branches, so we need to be connected to him to bear good fruit. Now let's see what he chooses us to do as we bear that fruit. He said, my command is this, love each other. Look at your neighbor and say, I love you so very, very much. 
Amen. We love each other. Love each other as I have loved you. Verse 13, greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for one's friends. No greater love than that. And we thank our veterans who do that. Amen. We thank our veterans who do that for us. And we see, amen, let's give them a hand clap. Praise God. We, we see that Jesus laid down that standard. That's why he died for us. Verse 14, you are my friends if you do what I command. And that's not too much for him to ask, is it? All of our friendships demand something in return. Now, we may not place demands up at front and make it all awkward and weird, but let's be honest. We know that we have unspoken demands. How about this? If you're going to be a friend with me as a, and you're a guy, don't hit on my wife, right? That's kind of a command. You know, thou shall not hit on my wife, right? Do not mess with my children. Another command. Thou shall not mess with Joe's kids. Okay? And all friendships have those unspoken commands. And Jesus's are the same way. Jesus's command isn't anybody who's my friend has to wear designer clothes, live in the suburbs, and have a, a nice house or whatever. Those things are great. But God is not trying to pick out a clique or just one community and say, you know, be my friend and only speak this language. Be my friend and only shop at these stores. You know, I remember when Aldi's used to got, get hated on. But now Aldi's is coming up. And I've been old school Aldi's. Amen. <laughs> I'm like preaching about all these, but seriously, like all these used to be like, everybody's like, oh, you shop at all these? Girl, I shop at Dominic's. Well, look what happened to Dominic's. You're in your hottie toddy store. Went out of business. And what's all these doing? Now they're pimping, making all the markets. Have you even seen the Aldi market? Man, they're like next level, man. It's like, my goodness. I wish there could be an Aldi for everything, like Aldi car dealership. Let me buy a car from Aldi's. Like all these electronics, let me buy my TV because I don't know how they make everything so expensive there, but it tastes so right. And somebody said one time, oh, it's because they use horse meat and this stuff. And I'm like, well, that's why it's so good. I'm not complaining. Keep, keep putting the black stallion in there. There's no problem with me. Let us know. I'll probably be more excited to buy it now that I know there's horse in there. He said, I no longer call you friends. You know, because a servant doesn't know what his master's business is. Instead, I've called you friends so that everything I learned from my father I've made known to you. And here you get this idea that we're doing what Jesus commands. And those commands are pretty simple, like don't steal from people. If you want Jesus is saying, you want to be my friend, don't steal. You want to be my friend, don't lie to people. You want to be my friend, obey your parents, young people. You want to be my friend, put me first, right? Those are, those are good things. Those commands are good things. And then he says to those friends that are keeping his commands, he reveals the secrets of heaven. So there's no longer like this big mystery of what heaven's all about. Sure, there may be things we don't understand, but we get the general understanding now. There's a place called heaven. The Father is there. There are angels there. Those who are born again get to go there. And then one day, heaven comes to earth, and God rules and reigns there. That's pretty awesome. Awesome. Aren't you glad you know that information? I mean, you don't have to go to any other cult or any other religion to hear about that. Jesus said, I was there. See, all the other prophets were born and said what they had to say. Jesus was already in heaven, then born of a virgin. So he's the only one that came from heaven to earth to give us the message. And then, like, uh, and then different from all the other prophets, they died. They're in the ground right now. Jesus raised from the dead and went back home. Hello, somebody. And that's where he is right now. So we can trust our friend Jesus that he is telling us the truth about the Father. Now, here's the part where we got our sermon series for the whole month. He said uh, in verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. And so what we understand is that God is choosing us. He is calling us. And it's not our idea, okay? So I want you to think about just me being a pastor. This wasn't my idea. God called me to do this. Same thing with you. Can you look back at your life and say God called you to do things? 
I love my wife, but I needed God to tell me that was my wife for me to want to marry her because I was a Christian. I wanted to know well, which one am I supposed to marry. So God chose me to marry her. That's a blessing, amen. I didn't make children, but I got to procreate and do something with the, about the children, I should say, in just a, a PG way. But God gave me and chose for me to have three daughters and one boy. Hello? Procreation is not creation. So God chose us to be parents, some of us here. God chose us all to have jobs. Now, we're not supposed to just sit back and say, well, let God uh, do all the choosing and I'll sit at, at home and not do anything. No, we're supposed to work with the Lord, bearing fruit, understanding his will, and praying according to it. That's why we can get whatever we ask in the Father's name is because we pray according to his will. So if you and I are looking at our prayer life and we're not seeing prayers answered, chances are we're not praying according to the will that God chose for us. So I always say it like this. You may be praying right now for a new job, new promotion. You may not see anything changing. Well, I double dog dare you to look at your closet and pray what to give away today. Because I guarantee you God will answer a prayer like that. God will say, oh, oh, they're talking to me now about something that I, that I actually want to do right now. Oh, okay, give away that, give away that. Or another thing you may say, uh, I have a prayer request for God to, to win the lottery and do all this. Well, you may not be getting an answer on that. But when was the last time you prayed to God and said, Lord, how can I help somebody else? probably get right an answer real quick. Oh, I want you to join the children's ministry. Oh, I want you to go bring some soup over to your neighbor's house. They just had a surgery, whatever, right? And it's not that God doesn't care about our jobs and all of that. It's just that we get so fixated on us four and no more and our little family and us working and getting these bills paid that we think that that's all God cares about. And that and that because our neighbor now got a promotion and they're getting to the next level, like we got to keep up with them. And, and sometimes God is just saying, no, I'm not in that. Like that's not where I'm at right now. I'm in other things. I want you to use what you have before before I give you more. you got to look at it this way. Are we letting go of what's in our hands so God can let go of what's in his hands? And that's what God is saying here through Jesus. He's saying, I chose you, but not chose you just to do whatever you want. I chose you to bear fruit so that when you ask things in my Father's name, he'll give it to you. And then he ends, verse 17, just like how he begins. This is called a sandwich technique. He started off at the beginning saying, love each other as I've loved you. And now verse 17, he said, this is my command, love each other. Let's say it together. One, two, three, love each other. So everything in between is all about love. It's all about what Christ called us to do. Now, if you look at what we've been talking about, does that make sense? Is everything about love in this church? Is this a place where Christians are gathering together to love God and love people? Yeah, that illustration shows that's the heart of what we are to do. And I look around here, we have people from all different backgrounds, all di different ethnicities, all different parts of the city. Some come all the way from the south side. There's, there's people that come way past where uh, the um, cellular field is at. And then there's people who come by, by in the other northeast, uh, northwest suburbs, you see. And then there's people who literally live right down the block, and they just walk right out of their house right to here. And you can look around. We have so many different nationalities here. We have about 30 if uh, we start being very specific, if, uh, if it's at least in your heritage. If we talk about people whose parents or they themselves have come from the country, we have about 15 national citizens from other countries here representing 15 different nations. Isn't that amazing? And that's because God wants us to love each other. He wants us to love those that have a lot. You know, sometimes people who have a lot of money have a lot of problems. We need to love them and treat them kind and with respectful. We can't uh, look at the doorman and say God doesn't love him and, 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 and then look at the person being up there in the top condo, you know, that oversees the lake and say God loves them. And then at the same time, we can't say God hates that rich person up there because they're making a good living, but God loves that doorman. No, God loves the doorman and the person at the top condo the same. And they need to both be a part of a great church. They need to get their heart right, love God and people, and start to do something for the Lord.
And that's what I believe we're chosen to do. And what we're going to do here is we're going to connect, mentor, send. And we talked about this last week. How do you connect? Well, in our church, the way we connect to God is in our main services here and then our life groups. And those meet some of them weekly, some of them biweekly, and some monthly. So you pick and choose. They have all different days on the calendar, and you pick that. Then we mentor, and as you heard in our announcement, doing one-on-one Bible study so that there's no excuse. You always have an individualized spiritual trainer that says, I will meet with you individually on a lunch break, at your home, whatever's convenient with you, some of the couples doing it together. And then sending, everybody say send. And then sending out, doing evangelism. And if you were here last week, you heard my passion about that. If not, look at my Facebook, and I posted a snippet of that video, which is why do we go and preach the gospel to Humble Park in front of our streets here or at the neighborhoods before our Bible studies? Why do we do that? Because Jesus did that. I am not a Jehovah Witness. We are not Amway for Jesus selling vitamins door-to-door or whatever. We are being like Jesus. I did a whole entire study on Jesus in my doctoral class, and Jesus spent over 80% of his time outside side of a building that they would call a temple or synagogue. Where do you think Christians should be? We should be in the marketplaces. We should be in front of the community centers, in front of those places representing Christ, as well as talking to our neighbors. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Now, when we talk about the goal, that last part of 100,000 disciples and 500 around uh, 50 churches here in Chicago with 500 around the world, what we need to do is understand where did that come from, you know? Why did God speak that to my wife and I when we first started? And if you see there, it's kind of cool because it goes around the earth, goes around the world, as we say. We want 500 churches around the world. So that's what I want to talk about today and make it exciting, okay? Because I don't want you guys to get bored because I won't be rapping anymore. But it will. it should be exciting, okay? Now, if you've been with us during the sermon series, we've been learning the difference between how and why, because I've been doing this for a long time, and I always want to make it interesting to the person who's been with me from the beginning, because we have Salvador, can you raise your hand, who started with us in a home Bible study. Let's give it up for Salvador, amen? And if you are here with us today, and you're just a new visitor, you are literally making the bookends of our history. Think about that. If you're a first-time visitor, you're the most recent person in our church, and he is the most uh, intact uh, uh, oldest person in our church. And isn't that amazing? God's still doing it. So, but I want you to understand where this came from, because there's a, there's a how to it, a very practical side. And you guys hear that in our announcements and what we're doing. But this uh, time around, I wanted to go a little deeper and tell you why. So do you remember why we love God? If you remember in review, we love God. Why we love God is because God is the foundation for everything we know. Why is there something rather than nothing? God is the answer. Why is there scientific laws? God is the answer. Why does math and why does logic work? God is the answer. So why should we make life about God is because everything in life is about God and from God. As we learned in Romans, everything is from him, through him, and for him. Amen. You all looking at me like you want a little bit of review. Somebody want to come on. You all want a little review because I got maybe some visitors here. I'm going to show you a couple of pretty pictures. Is that okay, everybody? I'll walk you through these quickly so that you can understand what we have learned this whole sermon series so that when we wrap it up, we're going to be all good. Okay? You can always go back online, see them here. And the past messages, see, right now I'm giving you my notes, but the past message then will have, uh, the past notes will then have the video there. So I want you to see what I gave you guys at the beginning. You see the pyramid of human flourishing, what it takes to be excited in life or flourish in life. And that means we need 
God the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. I don't have time to get on all of that, but because of him, he's the foundation of creation. He's the foundation of life and consciousness, of morals, of logic and reason and natural laws and science and all of those things. And so what I want you to do is picture in your mind the greatest day you've ever had. Why was that possible? That was possible because of the triune God. I explained to you why it has to be the God of the Bible, the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and couldn't be Allah of Islam, and why it couldn't be the plurality of gods of Hinduism. You need to go back and listen to that message. But here is the declaration from the Scripture. For from him and through him and for him are all things to him be the glory forever and ever. So why should we worship God? Because from him, through him, and for him are all things. Can I hear an amen? Now, the next thing that we learned about going back into review is why we love people. We don't just love people because it's something cute to do. We don't just love people because it benefits us. That's what the natural world will tell you or uh, the, un, um, the atheistic world or a world that doesn't have God at the center. They'll say, you know, if I scratch your back, you'll scratch my back, and society will be good that way. But you know what? Some societies start thinking it's, ki- it's good to kill off other parts of their society, and they still call that good. So how would you have moral ethics with people that start to say killing another group is best for our group? You see, that happens very quickly when you take God out the picture. That's why socialism, communism, and uh, all those other Islams have been responsible for more deaths in the last hundred years than any other time in history. So as man thought he got smarter and better, he, he didn't need God, you know, with Marxism and socialism. He actually showed us how wicked man can be and start exterminating his own people. All of them were killing their own people. The Jewish people were Germans by birth. In uh, and, and Stal- and Stalin's Russia, he killed almost 50 million Russians in the gulags and tortured them. In Mao, uh, China, in, in, in communist Mao's China, he killed that many as well. Some would say it could be more than 50 million. The same thing in Italy, Mussolini killing his own people, showing us that, that man cannot be grounded in his own ideas of morals. So why should we love people? Not just because it feels good. Why we should love people is because people are made in the image of God. If you look at all of mankind, you would say mankind is a man, woman, and a child, or man, woman, and offspring. We are made in the image of God who is Father, Son, and Spirit. Genesis 1, 26 through 20, 28 says God, the Father said, let us, the Trinity, make mankind in our own image, three persons sharing one nature, the God nature, in our, un- in our likeness, complex unity. When the family gets together, they are one. So God the Son created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, the Trinity, he, Jesus, created the male and fail- female, two persons, he created them, and then God the Son blessed them and said, be fruitful and make that third person, that third um, part of the family, the offspring. And why then do we love people? Because people are made in the image of God. They're made in the image of God. That's why we don't abort people when they're inside their mother's wombs. And if they're not people in the womb, then what are they? You see, the, the world has no definition of when a person becomes a person, but we do. It starts at life because only God can give life. Only God can give life. So that's why we love people. Some may say made in the image of God. Now look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you are fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. Amen. Isn't that wonderful to believe that? 
Then we talked last week about connect, mentor, and send. And once again, yes, we are to make disciples. We should have books. We should have cool things that we do in the church. But why should we do that? Why should we make disciples? The reason is when God created us in his image, he did that that we would reflect him in everything we do, that he would be the sun shining through us, the S-O-N sun shining through us. Think of that play on words there. Here First John says, and so we know and rely on the love that God has for us because God is love. Everybody say, God is love. For whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. And this is how we know that love has been made complete around us and we have confidence on the day of judgment. How many want to be confident when you face day, uh, the day of judgment? When you face God that day? Well, here's how you know you can be confident. Because in this world, we are like him. So we are to be like Jesus in this world. So why do we connect Mentor Sent? Why do we have services, life groups, discipleship with classes, and sending out and doing evangelism? Because we're supposed to be like Jesus. We're supposed to stop being like Oprah, shacking up with a man she's not lived to, married to. We need to stop being like Lady Gaga and Miley Cyrus who take off their clothes for money. We need to stop being like sports uh, uh, you know, heroes and these movie stars who waste their money on prostitutes prostitutes and all the things they can buy. We need to be like Jesus. Hello, someone like Jesus. Now, uh, there are some of those things that are okay, but you better do all of those things for Jesus. So if I'm like Jesus, then what does that mean? I need to be like Jesus in my everyday life. I need to let Jesus surround me in all of these ways. I need to be like Jesus in my education. Be like Jesus in my politics and how I vote. Be like Jesus in the church. Be like Jesus in my friendships. Be like Jesus in my marriage. Be like Jesus on the job. Be like Jesus in the community and to my neighbors. And be like Jesus to my children and my family. Hello, somebody. Who else do you want to be like? For me, there's no other option. It's to be like Jesus. And so that's the introduction. Look at your neighbor and say, the review is for you. Now, going back to today's message, we are now going to end with our goal. And I want you to see why we should have a goal. We have learned uh, all of these whys throughout our sermon series. But now we need to learn the big why for the goal. Now, the difference between a how and a why is simple. I've gone through it every single week. But because there's always new people here at the church, and always uh, thank you for coming, always want to review for them. A how question is how something works, and it has to do with function. Everybody say function. It's knowledge learned and discovered by science. So man can discover through science how babies are born. They can look at a microscope and understand the sperm and the egg and the developmental stages. But a why question has to do with purpose. Everybody say purpose. That's knowledge learned and discovered by revelation. God alone can reveal to man through revelation why babies are born. And I've talked about this before because some people now say, well, uh, Pastor, I'm pretty smart. I'm going into a biology class, and they tell me why we reproduce. It's because a species must reproduce to survive. Okay, why are species reproducing to survive? Oh, because of evolution. Oh, why is there evolution? Oh, because something banged a long time. Well, who banged it and what banged? Because nothing from nothing nothing comes. You see what I'm saying? I'll back that thing up to the very foundation of why is there something rather than nothing? And they can't answer. See, only God can say why there's something rather than nothing and build that pyramid all the way up and say, here's why there's something rather than nothing. Here's why there's natural laws in creation. Here's why there's life, and not just animal life, but conscious life. Here's why there's logic. Here's why there's math. And here's why two birds and bees can get together and make another one. That's why. Hello, that's why Deuteronomy 29, 29 says the secret things belong to the Lord our God. But the things 
revealed belong to us and to our children. So what God reveals to us, we know. So how do we know God's mind? He has to reveal it to us that we may follow all the words of this law. So you may see me riding my bike down the road, and you may know how I'm riding my bike. You would say, oh, Pastor, you're riding your bike because you're turning the gears, and the gears turn the, pedal, uh, the, the wheels, and as you steer the metal frame, it goes around. Yeah, you can know how I ride a bike, but you won't know why I ride a bike because I'm an intelligent being, and only I know the reason why I'm riding that bike. I might be riding the bike because I want to get some exercise. I might be riding the bike because I need to go get groceries. I might be riding the bike because somebody carjacked my car, and, and, and I'm now sitting on the side of the road, and I asked some kid, can I borrow your bike and ride home? <clears throat> you wouldn't know because I'm an intelligent person. We better ask God, the all-knowing, all-powerful creator. God, why have you made me this way? What have you done this for? Can I hear an amen? amen. That's why we're chosen is to know God. And so why should we have a goal? Why should we have a goal of 100,050 churches and 500 churches around the world? It's not that those numbers are necessarily significant, but I believe that every church needs to have a target that they're going to aim at, otherwise they'll, they'll never hit anything. I need to know a target as a pastor. What am I aiming at? What do I want us to consider a win, a good day? Well, when I was praying and asking the Lord for this when we were starting the church, the Lord said, picture the biggest church you could ever see. And so I thought of like, you know, Soldier Stadium being filled with people, and they can fit 100,000 there, right? And I just said, Lord, that would be awesome. But not just churchgoers, not just people who come on Sunday and do whatever they want Monday through Saturday, but disciples. 100,000 people like Peter, John, and James, like Paul and Silas and Barnabas, amen, like men and women of God who love the Lord, like Dorcas and Phoebe, these awesome women in the Bible, Mary and Martha, and, and to see God do that. And so I began to understand, okay, let's do it. Well, what would 100,000 disciples need? Well, they would probably need 50 congregations around this city so that they could all have different congregations to worship in. And then we began to pray and say, well, could we do something around the world? Because God said, make disciples of all the nations, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Can I hear an amen? And so I just said, Lord, a great goal would be for us to have 500. Now, that was before we ever had a Bible college partnering with us. Now we have over 20 graduates from the Bible college and 13 students in the Bible college right now. So we will have, in the next couple of years, 30-plus graduates in our Bible college. We're a church of around 200, but we have around 15 pastors in this church. We are now making our way to start putting these churches around the city and start putting churches around the world. When you think about us building churches, we don't want to build bigger. We've tried that, and it didn't work. Too many permits. It's too much money as you get exponentially bigger. What we would like to do is just do what we did here. Here's one storefront. There's a second. That one back there is a third. Do you know places in Chicago where there's storefronts? Let's go take over three storefronts and put 50 campuses around this city. Let's then build them from a circle on out so that we can start making the presence of God known. Now, are there other great churches in this city doing what they're called to do? Yes. And as I've said before, and I'm not going to get sassy today, but if you don't like what we're doing, you can boot scoop boogie on over to what they're doing. Amen? And that's because God called them to do something, and they have a goal, whatever. But all I say is if you leave here because you don't like what we're doing, make sure when you go there you like what they're doing because stop making an excuse to not do what anybody's doing. Hello? Stop sitting on the pew and just stinking all the time. you got to get up from your holy backside and do something for Jesus. So why should we have a goal? Well, Psalm 2, verse 8 says, ask me. This is God talking. Ask me. And I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. 
all right, God, you said so. Okay, we'll ask you then. Now I know that, you know, somebody can now say, Pastor, you're asking for 100,000. There's 9 million people in Chicago. I'm going to ask for 9 million. And that could seem so spiritual. Well, first of all, I see no possible way of us pastoring 9 million. And then, hey, there's other churches in the city. we got to leave some for them. Amen? There's a lot of other churches in the city. So there's like 8.9 million left for everybody else. We're just here to get our little piece of the pie. Amen? And so you can't make everybody happy. One, somebody says, well, why don't you ask for all nine million? Well, I am praying for God to save the city, but I'm asking for us to personally pastor, disciple, connect, mentor, send 100,000. Come on. And then somebody would say, well, you guys, if you always talk about numbers, you're like a little cult. You're like a, you're like a little Walmart for Jesus, always just chanting your little stuff around. I'm serious. I've heard those things. And, you know, and, and like you're just some little thing like that. And I'm like, what do you want us to do? Just show up here and be like, well, whoever comes, comes, and we'll be happy with whatever the good Lord. No, he said, ask me. He said, ask me. Come on. Now, I want you to hear my verbiage right so you don't think I'm cursing. You need to make a big ask to the Lord. So you need to bring your big old ask to God and ask him for something that's bigger than you so that you can have faith and a goal that gives you a reason to live. So what is your big ask? Because everybody can have a big old ask. Ask and ask. What are you going to ask God for this year? God, I would like to do this. If you get on God's will, there is nothing too big that he can't do. Did we not already learn that he already said, he already gave us the American Express black card, the unlimited credit to his account when he said, ask me whatever you want in my name and the Father will give it to you. See, God's not afraid of big ask. He's not afraid of them, okay? (laughs) I have to play on that because I already know what y'all thinking, but I am trying to stay away from getting to the point where it's vulgar, okay? But it's almost like you could hear Jesus saying, I like big ask, and I can't deny. Listen, you can almost hear the Father saying that. Don't think, listen, I got to play on it. I got to play on it because I know you're already thinking it. But why does God like big ask? Why does he like when we ask something bigger than ourselves? Because it gives him glory. You see, it shows that God's on the earth. We we don't just need another mega church. We need a movement of disciples in this nation. We don't need another one-man show. Yeah, I know I can preach, but we need a movement of disciples and foot soldiers. Come on, somebody. I don't need to be on TV. I just need to make a disciple that makes a disciple who makes a disciple. I want to ask something of God that's worthy of his name. So I can hear the Father saying, what is your big ask? Because as you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he will make all things be added unto you. Can I hear an amen? So now open up your Bibles with me to the how. How can we accomplish this great goal of loving God and people, connect, mentoring, and sending to have 100,000 disciples, 50 churches in Chicago, 500 around the world? Well, let's go to the disciples of the early church. Let's go to the book of Acts. Do you know where that name comes from? Acts comes from the Acts of the Apostles. You are literally reading right here the documentary of the disciples, the actions. What did these guys do? After Jesus went to heaven, these men and women began to change the world. 
Now I'm going to show you 10 things that I found in Acts 2, 42 through 47 that I believe if we do it, here is the how, we get 100,000 with 50 churches, 500 around the world. Can I hear an amen? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So we need to be about discipleship in Bible college. The teachings of the apostles need to be handed down. You do that one-on-one in, in discipleship, and then you need a superior level of learning in our culture called Bible college because we didn't live 2,000 years ago. We don't know Greek. The New Testament was written in a language of Greek. Most of us don't know it. Hebrew. We don't understand the history. We have to go and study and apply ourselves. That See, in their days, the apostles were literally right there, so we could ask them all of our questions. But now we have to learn them. Not everybody will go to Bible college, but we need a church that has a Bible college or at least re- uh, uh, a place, a resource to go there. We all need to be disciples, though. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And to the fellowship. We need a time to hang out and have some fun. You need, to, you need to get with some people that love you and like you and do more than just tolerate you. They accelerate you. Amen? Fellowship with people who actually like you. To the breaking of bread and to prayer. The term there, breaking of bread, literally means communion. That's when they would break the bread and they would pray. That was a sacred time. So we need to have prayer meetings. And before all of our services, we do that. Everyone was filled with awe at the wonders and signs performed by the apostles. This is not a a, a ministry, but this is a description of what the ministry should produce. Our ministry should produce awe and wonder around the people. How many of you have come to this church and have been awestruck and in wonder of what God is doing here? You hear the testimonies from people getting saved in jail, now leading the gang ministry like Steve. Or from Rosie being in an accident, losing someone she loved, but now coming to church, being baptized. The stories are awesome, awesome. They're wonderful. Hearing stories just like my wife's testimony of people who lived in the church or grew up in the church but backslid at a certain age and came back. Those are precious testimonies. Testimonies here of older people who have walked away and come back as well. Testimonies of those who have kept their faith. There are so many awesome things. Healings, miracles, demons being cast out, prophetic words, the working of the Spirit. That's what God is doing. That's what he did then. All the believers were together and had everything in common. That's another thing that was happening. They were giving and sharing. We have two vans that go out and pick up people for church. On the west side, we go and get them for Wednesdays, King's Kids programs. Our youth program had 60 young people here last Friday. Let's give it up for Jesus of all ages. And we had about that many Wednesday as well. So if you look at our children and our youth, you have over 120 of our young people and children learning the God's word here. And then you look at our Facebook page. We have a Good Samaritan page on Facebook, MPI Good Samaritan prayer page. People giving away what they normally would sell in a garage sale. Check it out and see what God will do for you there as you give and as you help people. They sold their properties and they gave to everyone who had need. They had community service. We give away turkeys and food on Thanksgiving. We do Boricua Fest during the, uh, the humble, at the Humble Park during Puerto Rican Festival. We go down to the Taste of Chicago. We do community service here. We help out and refer people to the agency that's right next to us. We, we are responsible for helping so many people get back to school, get their driver's license, begin to pay their bills, structure their life, because that's a part of what the church did. Can I hear an amen? Every day they continued to meet together in the temple court. So they had services. There was a time they could meet in the temple. They had services. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. That's life groups. They met in homes. We have those many different Bible studies you can be a part of in people's homes. Three youth ones, two adult ones, and various ones for marriages and marriage couples, singles, and single moms. 
praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And look at this. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And as you read the book of Acts, how were people getting added to the church? Well, they were going out preaching, evangelizing. They were planting new churches, and they were going on mission trips, as what we would call them now. They were leaving the comfort of their home to go somewhere else. And we have a mission trip in March that we've raised money for to go to the Philippines. Can I hear an amen for that? It's continuing. And right now, our books are being used all over the world. Pakistan has our books of discipleship. Nigeria has our books on discipleship. The Philippines that we're preparing the mission trip for has our books. We are giving those books away by the pound. We are giving books away by the pound. Literally, like a 1,000 just went out to the Philippines to prepare for our mission trip. About 250 of each one of our books. Can I hear an amen to that? So here's a brief explanation in a, in a list. You see, the how will be missed if you don't know the why. That's why I want to tell you the why. I mean, yes, all of these things are awesome, but if you don't know why you're doing it, you're going to get bored. You're, you're going to say, well, church is boring, you know, and this and that. You're going to let life overtake you. You're going to let your family and their, you know, their soccer games or beach days in the spring and summer when the weather gets nice or vacations or the bills you have to pay. and You're going to get so uh, stressed and wrapped up in life that you'll forget that this is what you're supposed to do. So that's why you got to keep the heart of loving God and people to be able to do these things. So you just go through the list. There are services, there's life groups, there's fellowship, discipleship, prayer meetings, community service, evangelism, a Bible college or training for our ministers, church planning, starting new churches, and mission trips. I have tested this by all the people I know that are in teaching positions in Bible colleges and so forth. They can't think of anything to add to that list. I'm, I'm not trying to say I'm the best. I'm just one of the best. Amen. But in all honesty, I'm telling you, Anything you would probably name, write down and text it to me, or, or Facebook it to me, rather. If you think I'm missing one, I, bear, I guarantee I could probably fit it into one of these categories. This literally is the entire work of the church. Not just this church, but the church of Jesus Christ all around the world. When they're meeting in China, this is what they're doing. They're having Bible college. They are going back and studying the roots of Christianity. Those are going to be pastors. They're church planning. They're going on mission trips. You know that one of the greatest mission-sending churches right now is China? And they're one of the most persecuted churches around the world. I remember I, I wear this bracelet of a, of a barbed wire to remind me of the suffering of our brothers and sisters. But you know what blows my mind is that when they go places, these Chinese believers, they don't go to Hawaii to do mission trips. They are going to the most persecuted places in the Middle East. These Christian Chinese believers are saying, we've already counted our life uh, and, and have given it to Christ. We're already suffering in China. We've already made that decision, so why not now go to Afghanistan and be missionaries? That is a historical fact right now, the Chinese church sending out so many missionaries. One of the videos we played in this church was of Iranian sisters, or, or two women, but they sisters in the Lord, who went to Turkey. So they would have escaped in one sense. They could have stayed outside of Iran, but they went to Bible college in Iran, came back to Iran and distributed Bibles. Two girls distributed over 20,000 Bibles in Iran and then got arrested for nine months and were verbally and physically tortured. God set them free. But you see, they chose. They could have stayed in Turkey and then came out into America. But they said, no, we're going back into Iran. And they suffered for Christ. You see, you'll look around the world, and that's what you'll see, evangelism. You'll see all those things, community service, prayer meetings, etc. Now, if you're thinking to yourself, how do I do that? Everybody say, how, Pastor? How? All right, here's how you do it. Well, it fits nice and neatly into Connect, Mentor, Send. 
All ten of those things fit neatly into what we are doing as our strategy. So you can achieve the goal of what God is doing in the church by simply following the strategy. And those of you who have been doing uh, the strategy probably haven't realized you've been doing these ten things. Let's go through them and check. If you have been a part of the connect phase, you've been coming to services, life groups, and you've been fellowshipping. You've already knocked off three just by coming on Sunday. Isn't that pretty awesome? You've been, te- you've been hearing the word of God. You've been going out uh, uh, into your life group. You have to come Sunday into a life group, rather, and then you fellowship. Now, mentor, if you're being in the 101 or 201, you're being discipled. You're part of the prayer meetings because in both of our 201 meetings, Sunday and Thursday, they pray and they make time to pray for all the needs of the church. And then you are required to do community service. Those of you who went to Bodequa Fest with us or Thursday, uh, the Turkey Day there out on the west side, you're already doing that. How many could say you've already done these six things? Can I hear an Amen. That's a good majority. We have 152 disciples. I just got January's numbers. In this church of 200 plus, we have 80 plus percent in discipleship. And right now we have the highest numbers ever, 152. Can I get an amen for that? Amen. So 152 of you, if you're going with the plan, you should be right now already accomplishing six of those things. And then now sending, you should be doing evangelism. And then Bible college, you may not do it because you're not called into full-time ministry, but you're supporting a church that does. Church planning, you may help us start the new one, or you may give the finances to do that. You've helped us do mission trips as well. We raised over $11,000, and that wasn't from one person. That was from this congregation. And as time goes on, you may join the church plants as we uh, plant them, and you may go on a mission trip. And even if you can't, for whatever reason, I would say make sure that you're supporting them and praying for them. Can I hear an amen? Amen. There you go. There's how we accomplish our goal. So are we just saying this to be cute, 100,000, 50 churches, 500 around the world? No. We are looking at the book of Acts. We're saying, what did these apostles do? How did they raise up disciples? And as we go back and look at these things, we see 10 key ministries that arise that should be in the church. And we begin to build our church around that. And that's why, guys, we don't have a midweek service. We realize that if we wanted to do all these things, trying to get you to come one day a week to do it all wasn't going to work. That's why we expanded into life groups, into different meetings throughout the week so that schedules could be met. That's why we now have two 201 classes for those that can't do it Sunday morning early can do it Thursday evening. That's why we began to develop different fellowship groups that meet the needs. A single mom may have a different need than a married couple. Are you listening? So we wanted the married couples to fellowship with each other and the single moms. But then if they want to hang out together, they can go to a Friday Bible study because those two dates don't conflict with that one. So we made sure that the ones that conflict, if the Sunday ones conflict uh, as we made those dates, we made sure that the only ones that are conflicting is like singles group and marriage group because you can't be one uh, you can't be one and the other hello you can't be a married bachelor can I get an amen you can't be a square circle and so we we did that and so it's like oh yeah I'm in the married group oh but I still want to hang out with single people and just feel cool again well then come to the Friday night Bible study right or, you know, oh, I want to hang out with the youth. Okay, well, join the Friday youth group and be a youth leader. Uh, right now, uh, Ellie has the record amount of youth leaders helping these teenagers come to Christ. Uh, Ellie, just shout out the number. Roughly how many youth leaders do you have? 26 youth leaders. Give it up. That's amen. That's why they have 60 teenagers coming. out. That, that's why it's growing. And they go out to the high schools, they preach the gospel, they are making a difference. And so, my friends, I want to end with some things of the heart now. I want to end with some things of the heart. Uh, In 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 27, turn there quickly. 
Paul teaches us how to think about the church, that we should think about it as Christ's body, that Christ has a body and the church is that body. Quickly, I'm going to go through it. Just as a body has many parts, its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. Everybody say Christ. Verse 13, for we were all baptized by one spirit, so to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we were all given one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one, but many parts. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not the hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not be for that reason, stop being a part of the body. Or if an ear said, I'm not an eye, I don't belong to body, it would not be for that reason that it would stop being a part of the body. So listen, my foot can't say, oh, I'm not an eye. You guys are always walking on me, you know, and I don't like it, and then amputate himself and, you know, go be a foot over here somewhere. No, because then how are we going to get around? We can't get around. So this foot has a very important part, and so does the eye. So somebody that says, I'll work in the nursery, we can't look down on them and say, oh, you're not spiritual because you can't be with the worship and the prayer. No, we need to say thank you because you're making a difference where I am not. I am making a difference here, you're making a difference there. And then we can say then, but I'll stay later and I'll clean up the church and vacuum so that then you can go home. So that one cleans, one takes care of the nursery. And then someone else says, hey, you know what, I'll open up my house for a Bible study. Okay, we'll have the Bible study there. And so Bertha has opened up her home for the single mom's Bible study. Amen. Let's give it up for Bertha. And then someone else like Cynthia Rodon says, well, I'll teach the Bible study because that's my gift. And now Bertha's learning to teach with her because she's a deacon. And eventually there may be two, a single mom Bible says. And then you hear someone else like a young person like Julian. He's like, man, you know what? I can't really relate to single moms in a godly way. So maybe I should find someone else to relate to. I'll go relate to the gangs. Amen. Now, it's good if you want to relate to a a single mom in a godly way. I want to give the wrong hint there. But, you know, we don't want our single men always hanging around the single mom. It's like, hey, what's going on, baby? What's going on? You need a baby daddy? Come on, just let me know. I'll be your baby daddy. No, no, no. No, so where Julian needs to be, where Julian needs to be is out with the gangs. He needs to be talking to old big T-Dog and Flacco and all these guys on the block. You know what I'm saying? He needs to go, yo, what's up, Flacco? Yo, I'm down for Jesus, man. What you know about, you know, and they need to hang out. And then, and then other people are like, man, I don't want to do that. I want to be in a Bible study. Okay, we'll come to the Friday night. And you can just see it. It all just cycles. Right now, you know what our Friday night Bible studies are doing? We're doing a, a, an entire 12-week course called the Truth Project put out by the 700 Club, which is almost like college-level learning of biblical foundations. It's amazing. And you could go to that and just break open your Bible. But you know what they do before the Friday Bible study? They knock on their neighbor's doors and say, hey, come on over. And God has brought people to church from that. So we shouldn't be like that. Now look at verse 18. But in fact, look at this. God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, there would, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye can't say the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the, the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And so you just get down to the conclusion here, verse 26. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you, look at your neighbor and say, you. Come on, wake him up. Look at your other neighbor and say, you. Thank you. Now you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. Praise God, you are a part of the body of Christ. Now, if you want to be the boogies, that's up to you. If you want to be the nasty part and not want to be cool, that's up to you. But we'll blow you right out. No, I'm kidding. I'm not going to go with that. 
But some people don't just, they just want to come to church and have an attitude. Okay, you, you can be the boogie then. I, I, want to be, I want to be a hand. I want to be a foot. I want to be an eye. I want to be a part of what is moving the body forward. I don't want to be what infects the body. And somebody could probably be real specific and be like, the mucous membranes they are actually really helping the body. Okay, you know what I mean. Because I don't want to go to the gross thing that we get rid of every day. I'm not going to talk about that because we don't want to call people that. That would just be nasty. But Paul did say, Paul did say, in comparison to Christ, I count everything but dung. So if you, think not being a, if you think being a part of the church is lame and you're going to trade it for something else, your job, your this, your that, that's all dung compared to Christ. Read Philippians. That's what Paul said. Because the church is the body of Christ. It is the body of Christ. Okay? And then lastly, Ephesians 4.11. So Christ gave the church apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Those are the leaders that should be going to Bible college. Our Bible college uh, focuses on the fivefold ministry of those things, those five things, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and then the knowledge of the Son of God become mature. Everybody go mature. Obtaining to the whole full measure, uh, the whole full me- uh, the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So we are to become the fullness of Christ. We are to represent Christ on this earth fully. We are not to make excuses. We are to say, I will be the best that Christ has called me to be. And so when you look at this illustration, Jason, would you come to the keys, please? We see this idea of every part in the body doing its function. And when it does its well, that body can accomplish the goal set before it. My friends, I want to encourage you today to take your place in this church and to be all that God called you to be. The whole entire sermon series has been chosen. Chosen. I gave you the example at the beginning of the year. When, if I was doing a birthday party and I said, everyone's invited, but only those who come will be chosen to ride the pony. It's not my fault if you don't get to ride the pony. Because if you don't come, you don't ride the pony. I don't bring the pony to you. If you want to come, that's where the pony is. And that's what God is saying to us. I choose you, but you have to be willing to come. I've invited you. As the Bible said, many are called, but few are chosen. Many are invited, but few get to do it. And I know many of you here, please hear my heart. Some of you have come from churches where you've given it your all and you've been let down. Well, I apologize for those churches, and I apologize for those mistakes that have been made. Would you forgive us as pastors, because I'll speak on behalf behalf of the body of Christ, because I know I've made mistakes. Will you forgive us and now be a part of the body? Some of you say, Pastor, I'm so busy. I I, I got so much to do in my life that I need to take care of my kids. I need to work. I want to ask you, would you read your Bible again? And I just want to give you a passage to read. Matthew chapter 6, the whole thing, and specifically chapter, uh, chapter 6, and then specifically verse 33. And tell me what that means to you. Because if that's going to be your honest, mis- uh, I don't want to say mistake, even though I believe that, but if that's going to be your mindset, would you at least write me and tell me to pray for you? Because I want you to see Matthew 6 differently. Jesus was speaking to people just like us who had all of these concerns, and he told them so simply, he said, you've got to seek something first, and everything else follows. The thing you have to put first is kingdom business. My friends, choose it because the best fathers are kingdom fathers. The best mothers are kingdom mothers. The best employees are kingdom employees. And then let me just speak to someone else here today. You may have been in our church for some time and you've seen that, yeah, there's a a cost to pay. When Jesus had people following him, he looked around and he said, oh, you want to follow me? Well, let me tell you, I sleep on the floor and foxes at least have dens, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. See, Jesus was never 
uh, shy about counting the cost, telling the people the cost. Uh, but you see, I want to tell you something. I would rather lay on the floor with Jesus than be securely somewhere else in this world. Because that, that sense of security is actually false. Because everything we have is going to go away. It's like the matrix. It disappears. I would rather lay my head down with Jesus on the side of a road, right? I'd rather be like that. Another time, uh, someone said, Jesus, hey, I will follow you, but I have to first go bury my dead father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead go bury the dead. You come with me now. And let's not make that so uh, parabolic that we think there's a hidden meaning. No, no, no. It's literally a guy's going to a funeral, drive around town today, get a picture of people going inside funerals, and then now get a picture of you calling in the church, and they're going, well, I'm just going to the funeral. I'll come afterwards. And Jesus going, no, we come now. You come now. You leave now. Why would Jesus do that? You know why? Because he's the giver of life. He's the taker of life. And what he's saying, that's just bones. The one who breathed into that person is right here. Let dead people hang out with dead people. Hang out with life. I would rather be around the giver of life than my dad's dead body. Because my dad's already in heaven. No purpose there. Now, should I be irresponsible? No, once again, the Bible teaches specifically what we should do. But when you have to make the choice for number one, there's only one number one. Is it my dead father or is it Jesus? Jesus. Is it me having all the security in life or Jesus? Jesus. And then another man, listen, because I'm a family man now. When I was a young adult, I would leave everything for Jesus on the drop of the hat, going to Bible college. We were radical, right? Well, this one man, Jesus said, come follow me. And he said, great, I'm coming. Let me go say goodbye to my family. Now, could you imagine that? I have to now go tell Nancy, Nancy, I'm going to go follow Jesus, tell Bethany, Hannah, Lucas, and Zoe I'm going to miss them. I mean, you got to understand, when I take trips and I'm away from my kids, I'm already, when I'm, when I'm in the airport looking at the videos, I'm already crying. And I haven't even left yet. Hello, somebody. You know what Jesus said to the man? He said, those who put their hand to the plow and look back are not fit for the kingdom. You come with me and proclaim the gospel. Now, why was he saying that? Because Jesus was obviously smart. You could tell somebody, hey, go tell my mom, or my wife, rather, that I'm leaving. So someone could go relay that message, but you go. Why is that? It's because Jesus is the one who gave the man his family. And, he, and what he was saying to the man is, I'll make you the best dad you could ever be. But you better teach your kids, I come first. Not to neglect. The Bible says those who don't care their, take care of their children are worse than pagans. So don't hear that. But you got to put it first thing. See, when I put God first, I become the best husband. When I put God first, I become the best dad. Come spend a day with me at my house, and you tell me if I'm lacking being a dad compared to these guys out here with their boats and doing I'm telling you, I am the best kind of dad. Why? Because I teach my children first about God. Where is your part in the body? I want you to think about what John Wesley said. Well, first let me end with this encouragement. Colossians 1.21. To this end, Paul said, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works within me. If you need energy for this, because we all do, here's an encouragement to you. Christ will give you energy. Philippians 4.13, you ever heard this scripture? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now I pray for a good spot today at the hip mall. I know I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I really pray that I will have a discount at the restaurant I go. No, you know why we're supposed to pray I can do all things? It's because we're supposed to be doing all the things we just listed above. Why are we to pray for all things, the strength to do all things? Because those are the things Christ wants us to do. So Pray it and mean it and watch what God will do. So you might say, well, I tried to pray for, for that strength and it didn't work. Well, what do you mean? Well, I didn't study the night before for a test. And I asked God for the strength to do all things to get an A and I still got a C. 
Hello? You didn't do what Christ told you to do. He told you to study to show yourself approved. That's what Christ told you to do. He didn't say prayer would fix your mess. He wouldn't bless your mess, right? But now pray it like this. Say, Lord, I'm going to church. I'm going to a life group, and sometimes I feel tired. Would you strengthen me, Jesus? <sighs> Watch the prayer get answered. Watch the prayer get answered. Here's what John Wesley said. He said, do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you ever can. Would you close your eyes with me right now and please meditate on what you have heard and ask the Lord to show you the good that you are to do. Band and altar workers, would you come please? Right now, Jesus, I would be a hypocrite if I didn't let you speak to me. I pray, Lord, that you start in me and show me the good that I need to do. Where does it start with you today? Where does it start with you today? Does it start by you joining the church and just saying, because we don't do a formal membership, but you just saying, this is going to be my church. Does it start by connecting? The first phase of connecting is services. Do you start right there and say, I, okay, I'm going to find a church and stick with it now. May have been burned before, may have been disappointed before, but I'm sticking with it. Is it life groups? Have you been coming to services, but you don't go to life groups? Okay, Lord, what life group do you want me to join? Have you started to be mentored? Ask the Lord, who should be your mentor? We have great leaders. Many of them come up to the front every week to pray for us. Ask the Lord. Lord, should uh, Susie mentor me? Should Bertha mentor me? If you're a woman, a man. Should Joselito? Should Jared? If you're in the 201 or have dropped out of the 201 or struggling, ask the Lord. Say, Lord, what am I supposed to do? How do I stick with this and finish what I started? And those now who have graduated, we have about 35 to 40 elders and deacons, those who have already gone through the process and are now doing it with others. Do you sometimes feel tired, weary, it's hard? Ask God for strength. Show him what things to do. Sometimes people switch their second to the second service. They're like, Pastor, Sunday's the only day I can sleep in. Thank God you got a 1 o'clock. I'm going to sleep in. I'll be there at 12 to set up and get ready for 1. Okay, great. No condo bondo. Go for it. Well, I can't do Friday night life groups anymore. Okay, can you do the Saturday one? Oh, yeah, I'll do that. You see, we start to work through these things. How can you be sent out to change the world? How can you do evangelism? And then now look at your heart. Because if when I shared those things, you're like, ah, I don't know about that. Are you really loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Are you really loving your neighbor as yourself? Are you just looking out for you? 30 seconds now. I'm going to stop talking. Let us all think on those things. Jesus, what is the good I can do for your kingdom?
15 more seconds. God's already speaking to me. I couldn't do evangelism on Saturdays. I switched to Mondays at Wright College. My wife and I joined the marriage life group where Ricky and Rachel teach us from their experience, and we humbly learn as they study marriages. I mean, there's just so much to be a part of that's amazing here. Where is God speaking to you? If you've noticed, this whole entire month, we've started with hype and excitement because it's great to be excited, but we always end with contemplation. Why? Because I don't want to be said that I manipulated you with emotion to try to get you to do something. Because if I can emotionally drive you to do it, then I have to keep emotionally hyping you to do it. And then someone emotionally can make you down and want to quit it. But if God joins you with us, if you hear God calling you and choosing you in these various areas, man, you will stick with it. You will be like those disciples we read about. Counting the cost. Counting the cost is worth it. Isn't Jesus worth it? I think he is. We're going to sing a song in closing. Would you stand to your feet? Then we're going to make a loud hand clap and shout for Jesus because you guys have been awesome this whole month. We have grown this month. Amen. You want to shout right now? Hallelujah. I'll shout with you. Thank you, Jesus. Woo! Thank you, Lord. But I want to sing this more somber song. It's old school. Would you put up the words, please? I want to sing it before we go. And these altar workers will be up here to pray with you if you have any needs. If you want to start discipleship or learn more about life groups, of course, come see them. But any need in your life, uh, need of healing, uh, uh, just a thing in your heart that you want to confess or have someone pray with you about, they are so here for that. But in closing, before we do a formal dismissal, would you sing this with us? Be Thou My Vision. Would you start it, please? And as we do, I want you to think about these verses and committing your life to discipleship. So Bertha, I'm going to ask you to sing. Can you help us? Adam, can you help us? Just learn it with everybody right here. Put it up just a little bit louder. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. My vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me. Save that thou art. Say that thou art Thou my best thought Thou my best thought By day day or by night night. Waking or sleeping Waking or sleeping Thy presence Be thou my wisdom Be thou my true word my wisdom. Let God give you the wisdom you need to live the life for Him. Be thou my wisdom. Be thou my true word. I ever with thee. I and thou with me, Lord. And thou with me, Lord. Turn down the bass a little bit, please. Is that your motivation everywhere you go to be like Jesus? Come on, be thou my battle shield, sword for the fight. Be thou, be thou my battle shield, 
sword for Come on, be thou my dignity, thou my delight. Heavenward, power of my power. Come on, riches I heed not, nor man's empty praise. We do it for God. Woo! Riches I heed not, nor man's empty praise. Thou my inheritance. Jesus, give him a hand clap of praise. We love you, Lord. Hallelujah. Be our vision. Send us out to do great works for you. Make us more than conquerors. In Jesus' name, and everybody says, amen. Slap your neighbor high five and say, get to it. Let's do it. God bless you. You are dismissed. Come get some prayer if you need it. Otherwise, we're going to keep worshiping. Get right to it. Just do it. <laughs> Woo! Thank you, God, for today's service. Bless everyone as they go. Come get some prayer if you need some. Or just encouragement. Or if you want to worship. Otherwise, we'll see you next time.